Welcome to Women Crush Wednesday's podcast from New York Women in Film and Television, where we feature fun and informative conversations with women working in the entertainment industry, preview upcoming events, and highlight the accomplishments of our members. My name is Tammy Reese. I'm the founder of Visionary Minds Public Relations and Media. And I'm Katie Chambers, the Senior Director of Community and Public Relations at NYWIFT. We are thrilled to be your co-host today. And today we're talking all things Sundance. Yeah, the Sundance Film Festival will take place in Park City, Utah, as well as virtually January 19th through the 29th. Tammy and I both have festival passes this year. I will be attending virtually. And I will be on the ground in person, and I cannot wait. I had so much fun attending in person in 2020, and Tammy, I know you're going to have a great time this year, too. I am so excited for you. In our last episode, I shared with Tammy my unsolicited advice for Sundance first-timers. Be sure to listen to that episode if you missed it. Tammy, what are you most looking forward to about being in Park City? Katie, where do I begin? I've already had a blast with pre-Sundance interviews and totally looking forward to more interviewing during the festival. I'm looking forward to the events, the activations, networking opportunities, and meeting new people who just share the love for the entertainment industry. I'm just overly excited, Katie, and thank you for all your support and NYWA for giving me media passes to attend Sundance in person for the first time. I'm so blessed to be a member of NYWA, and I just cannot wait to be in Park City. Tammy, you so deserve it. And we are so grateful that you are going to be giving us so much coverage of NYWIFT members while you are out there. Um, it is so exciting to see you shine. And I can't wait to hear about your trip when you get back. You. Um, and I'd also love to hear, you know, they've announced an amazing slate. Which films are you most excited to see? Well, I wish there was three of me, Katie. <laughs> so much. So, Listen, Die, and Live. Um, Night with member Dana Offenbeck is one of the producers alongside Forrest Whitaker. And the film stars Amari Hardwick. The film revolves around a character by the name of Muhammad who has returned for a funeral. But his own battle with addiction, which he hides from the world, drives him to immediately fade away into a sultry, late-night, drug-saturated after-hours of Detroit in an equally intoxicating romantic relationship. Also, the Little Richer I Am Everything documentary, I'm excited to see, which signs a, a clarifying light on the Black queer origins of rock and roll and establishes the genre's Big Bang, Richard Wayne Penniman. And Night With member Amy Antelise is executive producer. Also, I'm excited to see King Cole to learn more about Central Appalachia, which is a place of mountains and myth. And Night With member Jean Lane is post-production supervisor. And last but not least, I'm definitely excited to see Young, Wild, and Free, which stars Denai Lathan and Mike Epps for sure. Katie, what films are you most excited to see this year? Oh, it is so hard to choose. And I admit that my virtual viewing schedule that I've set up is a little intense, more intense than ever, but I think I'm going to make it. But there are definitely a few of them that are at the top of my list. Um, Cassandra, which is a narrative film by acclaimed documentarian Roger Ross Williams. It stars Gael Garcia Bernal, who is one of my all-time favorite actors, as a very flamboyant luchador, a Mexican wrestler. Um, Under God, which is a new documentary from Paula Iselt, who I had the pleasure of interviewing for the NYWIF blog last year about her film Aftershock, which was about Black maternal deaths in the U.S., Under God is about the national Jewish response to the overturning of Roe versus Wade, the activists who were fighting for abortion rights through the lens of their strong belief in the separation of church and state. 
Paula made one of my favorite documentaries ever, 93 Queen, a few years ago, and I'm sure that this one is going to be great too. I'm also really excited about It's Only Life After All, which is the new documentary about the Indigo Girls, who I love. Its title is taken from a line from one of their best songs. And last but not least, I can't wait to see Susanna Fogel's Cat Person, which is based on that viral New Yorker short story of the same name that sort of broke the internet a few years ago and was also somewhat controversial. It stars Amelia Jones from CODA and Nicholas Braun from my favorite show, Succession, and NYWIFT board member Gretchen McGowan from Goldcrest, who I adore, was the head of production on that one. And as a matter of fact, we have 21 NYWIFT members with 23 projects at the festival this year. We at New York Women in Film and Television are so proud to see so many members of our community in key creative roles being showcased at this level. You can watch our latest NYWIF Talks virtual conversation with several of those members, Annette Marion, who produced Still, a Michael J. Fox movie, Dana Offenbach, producer of To Live and Die and Live, and Marcella Steingart, who produced Judy Bloom Forever. That is currently available on our website under NYWIF Programming Goes Digital. Katie, I got to learn what your favorite show is. I just realized that because everyone knows what my favorite show is when we talk on this podcast. Um, yes. It's so cool to find out. I'm so sorry for your loss of The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to all the Night With members who are a part of Sundance. This is just epic beyond words. And we'll include a link to that Night With Talk programs in our show notes. And I'm thrilled to bring you now my pre-festival conversation with member Lisa Cortez, <laughs> Little Richard, I Am Everything, which premieres at Sundance in just a few days. Lisa Cortez's eye-opening documentary exposed the whitewashed canon of American pop music. Little Richard, I Am Everything, shines a clarifying light on the Black and queer origins of rock and roll and establishes the genre's big bang. Richard Wayne Penniman. Lisa is an Academy Award-nominated and Emmy-winning producer and director renowned for creating challenging visionary stories. The film Precious, which she executive produced, received the Sundance Audience Award and Grand Jury Prize for Best Drama. All in the Fight for Democracy, which she directed with Liz Garbus, chronicles the battle waged by Stacey Abrams against voter suppression. We're also so proud that for many years, Lisa has been a mentor for NYWIF's The Writer's Lab for women screenwriters over 40. Here's my conversation with Lisa. Lisa, congratulations. Little Richard, I am everything is premiering at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. How does it feel? It feels fantastic. I am so honored for the film, my incredible team, and most importantly for Richard. And even though he's not here, uh, you know, when I saw, started this film, it was about how can we give him his flowers? And I think uh, this is so fitting um, to have uh, this opportunity to share with the world, not only about the music, but also this incredible man behind it. Wow. And you mentioned your team. I definitely have to shout out one of the executive producers, Amy Intellis, who is a NYWIF member. So congratulations to her as well. Lisa, if you can tell us a little bit about how Little Richard, I Am Everything got started, the backstory of how it came about. So I have amazing collaborators at Bungalow Entertainment, uh, Bobby Friedman, Ligiel Marsh, Mike Powers. And, you know, Little Richard's story, I was excited by because with all of the great music 
docs out there, no one had told his. And so whenever you have the opportunity to interrogate a story with a unique perspective, as a director, I'm excited by what that allows for it because there's no preconceptions. There's nothing existing that I am trying to tell something different. I had an open roadway to look at the music, look at the man and look at his impact on culture. I love that you said the man, um, because when you think of little Richard, um, a lot of us can relate to the music or know the music. Some people grew up off his music or just overall love it. But when you think of him as a person, the individual, Lisa, what comes to mind? Well, I think that he's a, a revolutionary in so many ways. For a long time, most of us knew little Richard from his television appearances. You know, when he would say, oh, shut up. You know what I mean? He was, yeah. he was, a, com he was a comedic, <laughs> you know, um, moment in our cultural memory. And what we didn't see and what we weren't told is that this man born in the South in Macon, Georgia, is a revolutionary to introduce a music and to ignite people in a way and to claim his agency as a Black man at the same time that Emmett Till is killed, to, to declare himself a king, an innovator. Like Black people did not do that. And when you did that, we saw the consequences. But he was unabashed in knowing that he was creating something and had ownership of something, rock and roll, which has been one of the greatest American cultural exports. And even though he was not recognized and given his, his props, he knew it. He knew that at the same time while being queer. And so all of those moments of being beautifully human that little Richard embodies is, is just so important to kind of peel the onion and, and look at it with the storytelling. That's absolutely beautiful, Lisa. We understand that there's also testimonials from legendary musicians and cultural figures who is a part of this documentary. Um, who in particular could you share with us um, that we can see? Oh my gosh, I love everybody who gave <laughs> to this film, every interviewee, because they all were like, nobody's ever asked me to talk about him before and how important he is to me. The fabulous Nona Hendricks, you know, Nona Hendricks, as a member of LaBelle, was out on the road traveling the same circuit as Richard, did shows with him, and is such an incredible musician in her own right. Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones were a bar band. They opened for Little Richard in the UK, 30 oh. dates. And when Mick Jagger talks about 30 dates opening for Richard, sitting there and learning from him, it's, it, he, you can see the sparkle in his eyes and how important that relationship was to him. You know, people like Tom Jones, 
you know, someone else who was deeply influenced by Richard and had a beautiful friendship with him, to someone like Billy Porter, such a, himself a consummate artist and a queer artist who who acknowledges that Richard presenting queerness when he did was something that Billy keyed into and influenced his journey and gave him a sense of what could be possible. That is just so deep and I'm just moved and I I cannot wait to see this. Oh my gosh. And And I didn't even talk about the musicologist like Fredera Hadley or the brilliant Tavia Nyong'o and Jason King. We got some um, some scholars and people who, uh, and, and um, you know, folks who also are some people performing um, his music from Valerie June to Corey, Hender, Corey Henry and um, Pastor John P. King. Because I, it's important for us to know that Richard didn't happen in the past, that Richard's legacy is alive in so many places and that it is continuing. It's definitely continuing. And congratulations. It just came to my attention that you're sold out for the premiere night. That's huge. So at Sundance, people will have to get tickets for the additional screenings. But where else would we be able to see Little Richard, I Am Everything, or people just have to keep up to date with you? Film, it's a CNN Films, and it will be on CNN uh, later this year. Awesome. Congratulations. This just have to be a huge feeling, especially just for Black culture as well. And you, Lisa, being Academy Award nominated and Emmy winning producer and director, why do you think it's so important more than ever to tell Black stories like Little Richards? Well, you know, Black stories are universal stories. The contributions from our culture are oftentimes appropriated by the broader culture and our sense of ownership is negated. And I think that it is always important to reset, reposition, and use the power of storytelling as a means of amplifying the truth of who created what and the lasting impact of those creations on the world. I have a couple more questions for you, Lisa. Is it anything that you could have related to? Yes. You know, Little Richard declared himself. He created agency for himself. You know, he, as he said, his father wanted seven boys and and felt that Richard let him down for being different. And I think for anyone who has felt different, who has not been invited to the big party, Richard is such an example of like, don't let that stop your show. That I have, I relate to deeply for being an outlier in many spaces that I go into and for what oftentimes happens for us as women. But the creative spark is one that we have to honor. Lisa, you're best known for creating challenging and visionary stories, and we are so proud of you here at the Nightwolf community and look forward to your continued journey. Being a part of Sundance and having a film there is so many filmmakers' dream beyond our wildest imaginations, and you being a woman of color, it's 
leading the charge and being a role model and inspiration for so many people, what advice would you give for someone who just wished one day they too would have an inspirational, impactful film showcase at Sundance? It, you know what? It is about putting one foot in front of the other. And, you know, several years ago, I was at Sundance with a film I produced, Precious. It was a little film that could. And so I've been blessed to see what it means to lean into telling a story that many people were afraid of, telling it with grace and humanity. You know, I always think about with Precious that we were like, okay, let's see what happens. And we didn't know how it would connect with the world. And so I've continued. It's it's a life's journey. It's something I've been doing as a storyteller for a long time. And as you know, we're very lucky to work in this space. Whatever scale of storytelling that we're doing, it is important and necessary. And it is about beating the drum and consistently. And so my advice is to take care of yourself, to commit 300% to the stories you're going to tell, and, and to surround yourself with a great team of collaborators. Well said. Lisa, thank you so very much for being on our podcast today. Everyone who's listening, you can find out all things Little Richard, I Am Everything by visiting festival.sundance.org. Congratulations again, Lisa. Have fun at Sundance. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, Nightwave community. You are very important to my journey. And I always appreciate the support that you've shown to me and to so many other filmmakers. We received that with care. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for that great conversation, Tammy. Little Richard was such a fascinating figure. I can't wait to watch this film. I love Lisa's passion of telling the story and giving him his flowers, <laughs> even though he's not here to see this documentary. I can tell that everyone who's a part of the documentary, personally and professionally, who's speaking about him, really loved him and that little Richard knew he was an icon and a revolutionary, as Lisa described him to be. So I'm just so excited to see it and for the world to see the documentary as well. Mm-hmm, for sure. Following that great interview with Lisa Cortez, Tammy brings us three short conversations with additional NYWIFT members who have projects at Sundance 2023. Back to you, Tammy. Ashley Finn is a New York-based stunt performer, coordinator, musician, and actor. Her work in film and TV is as prolific as it is diverse, with highlights including eight seasons on NBC's The Blacklist, Ray Donovan, FBI, and Blue Bloods, to name a few. In film, a few favorite performance credits include West Side Story, Clifford the Big Red Dog, and Halloween Kills. For her stunt coordination, she was recently recognized as part of Emmy award-winning team at Saturday Night Live. Ashley is also a stunt woman, a part of Eileen, which is premiering at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. Ashley is a valued NYWIFT member. Please enjoy our interview. Ashley Penn, who's a member of NYWIFT and an amazing stunt woman who has Eileen preparing at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. Ashley, how does it feel? Pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> Have you been to Sundance before or had a project a part of Sundance in the past? 
I don't think so, to be honest. No, and I have not been, but uh, we just had a baby uh, in August of last year. So hopefully Congratulations. you'll probably hear her over there. <laughs> I too am a mom. It's definitely a joy and delight for sure. Please let's start, Ashley. How did you become a stunt woman and an actress? What made you get into this industry? Uh, when I was younger, I used to go see movies as we all do growing up. And every time I left, I wanted to be kind of more or less just like the protagonist. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. But as I got older, I realized that I really appreciated due to the movie crash, um, which is much older than I'd like to care to admit right now, but the effect that movies and TV can have on people and say they weren't exposed to a certain way of thinking or we're only nominally exposed to one specific way of thinking, how you can change the world with the craft that you do for the better. Not everyone feels like that, but that's what I felt my calling was to do. And so I realized leaving those movies, that's because I wanted to use this medium in order to change the world for the better. But stunts, I only have so much control of that. <laughs> how did you get involved with Eileen? Eileen, uh, the stunt coordinator, Drew Leary, who I've worked with for many years, he called me up and said, hey, um, you would be a great fit for doubling Anne Hathaway and for doubling um, McKinsey Thompson, uh, Thompson McKinsey. And uh, I doubled both of them, actually, in the film Driving. And there's a specific car. It's called Three on the Tree, also much older. And so it's a different manual instead of the one that's down to your right-hand side. It's up here by the steering wheel. So it's a very specific old-school way of driving. But I learned how to do that for the TV show Maniac when I was doubling Emma Stone. So I was a good fit and it was a specific niche thing that you had to be able to do. You've worked with some big names and also been a part of some of the biggest projects. I also understand you are recognized as part of the Emmy Award winning team at Saturday Night Live. What was that like? Uh, I've been assisting coordinating and stunt coordinating on that for the past three years, I believe. And uh, they won Best Variety Show last year. And due to the contributions for stunt coordination, I was awarded a certificate. <laughs> What made you want to join NYWIF? Uh, well, as I said before, I've wanted to progress the way the world runs currently um, through the medium of film and TV and obviously being a woman and being posed with those challenges that come with being such. Um, I knew that the organization existed, but I also wanted to make sure that I had enough, I guess, credits and experience under my belt to feel verified and even trying to join because I wanted to give something to the table and I wanted to know enough about my craft to be able to provide some kind of help here there whichever way um so heard about it years ago um but then only felt mentally capable I guess to join as of last year well well we are so proud of you on behalf of our entire Nightwolf community Ashley uh, what you're doing is definitely inspirational and honored to be here <laughs> We definitely wanted to shout you out as being a part of Sundance 2023s. Also being a very female-fronted film as well. So just yeah. something to be said for that. What else are you currently working on or that we can be on the lookout for from you? Uh, I'm actually working Law & Order Organized Crime this coming Friday. I'm on that back and forth. Most New York shows, um, they have like their pool of people that they choose from. And of course, they'll go outside of that if there's a specific skill that's needed that can't be met with locals. But I have that coming up. Um, there is a show that don't think it's the real name, so I probably shouldn't play it either way. Uh, but it seems to be a 50-60s theme. There's a masquerade ball. I know that. That's about it. And I think that's probably all I'm allowed to give away. <laughs> um, but I'm on FBI often. Um, let's see. Right before the end of the year. Uh, I worked on a movie called The Last Fight. 
which was pretty cool. Also, older theme, 60s. It was very cool driving an old school style car, like the hunky beater. It was a lot of fun. So awesome, for sure. What advice would you have for any women who aspire to be an actress or definitely become a, a stunt coordinator? I'm sure that takes a lot of energy and, and training and endurance. Um, what advice would you have for them, Ashley? Uh, I won't give the standard. Just keep trying. <laughs> um, uh, best advice, I would say, as far as stunt coordination, I've been in the business for going on 10 years, and I still feel as if me coordinating, it's something that I've been encouraged to do by a lot of people who've been in it for a very long time. If you haven't done a lot of stunts and if you don't have a long repertoire, just keep that back there. That will always be there because you're, when you're in that driver's seat, the people in your car are the people that if you don't do your job correctly, could get hurt. Death can occur. Know your craft, know what you're doing. Ask for advice. The people in my industry, at least they're more than happy to give you solid pieces and bits of really dense knowledge that they've experienced. And because it is so physically demanding and mentally demanding. Um, I don't think the mental has talked about enough, but you have to be able to make choices and know fully and thoroughly that you made the best of your ability, the right ones. So know your craft. As far as stunts go, if you feel as if you want to go that path, you're, you're going to get beat up. It's the way it goes, but you have to be prepared for that. But at the same time, you're capable of doing these things that a lot of other people aren't. And just keep the ego always down here, always low, because there's always, you're replaceable. There's always somebody else out there better than you somewhere. And that's okay. But just everyone wants to spend 15 hours on set with somebody they like. So golden rule, don't be in. <laughs> yep. Yep. I know what she said, everyone, but for podcast purposes and family oriented persons, she quoted it and it wasn't said, but absolutely right on point. Actually, is a better way to say it. <laughs> Be kind to everyone, for sure. Before we go, Ashley, what is a memorable moment on the set of Eileen that will stick with you? The first day I worked on it, it was, again, the thing I mentioned, the three on the tree driving. Uh, the stunt coordinator wasn't there, and it was due to it being pretty basic driving, things like that, nothing too crazy. And also, he's known me for a while, so he knows that if anything came up, that would be semi-challenging, or I'd know what to look out for and what dangerous to be aware of, to be able to report it back to production, blah, blah, blah. One of the moments was as we're driving and I'm following a camera car, we'd done this loop maybe six or seven times, but it's at night and these are old cars. So the lights are very dim. Uh, I looked to the right and there's a deer that just sprinted right out. And it was like, oh, oh, that's happening. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then reported back over the radio, just FYI on the right, there is a rogue deer. Uh, we have a bogey. <laughs> And at the end of it, the AD, who was awesome, Amy Lynn, she's fantastic, uh, came up and she was like, it's really nice to have a good stunt driver for moments like that. And I was like, <laughs> I just thought it worked out because I didn't know what I was going to do. That deer was on its own journey. So <laughs> That story is amazing. Wow. Thank you so much, Ashley. And congratulations again. For more information, everyone, about Eileen, please visit festival.sundance.org. Keep up the great work. Thank you guys so much. And thank you guys very much for everything that you do. Keep pushing forward. I had an amazing interview with the producers of To Live and Die and Live, Dana Offenbach and Samantha Basir. Samantha is also a cast member. Her husband is the director. 
without giving too much away to live and die and live, revolves around a character named Mahad, who has returned for a funeral, but his own battle with addiction, which he hides from the world, drives him to immediately fade away into sultry, late-night, drug-saturated after-hours of Detroit and an equally intoxicating romantic relationship. Please enjoy our interview. Hello, Dana. Hello, Samantha. I am so proud of you and behalf of our whole Night with family to live and die and live is showcasing at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. How awesome is that? Whoop, whoop, up top. (laughs) Whoop, whoop. We're very excited. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really it's really thrilling. Um, and like just the whole journey of it all, you know, to to have any project you work on see the light of day is exciting. But then to actually have this stage and this opportunity to be at this particular Sundance Film Festival with this particular story and this particular group of people, it's like it's 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 a dream, you know. How did you both become producers of this project? Uh, I'm going to let Samantha, I'm going to kind of take, you know, I want to start by saying two things. I really wanted Samantha to be in this interview for a lot of reasons. But number one, that I think it's really important that women support each other. Mm-hmm. And we all have different experiences. And the other reason is, you know, I, and I know that people, lines are blurred and people kind of love PR and credit and all of that is so critical in this industry. But I want to say that I came into the project late. I actually produced his first film and Samantha did the heavy lifting on this project. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really important for people to hear from her more than myself because she has the full producer experience. And I'm like, I'm like her co-pilot. The best co-pilot ever. I'll bend any corner with you. Um, It was, it was, um, it was not actually by choice, honestly. Um, My, my husband is the writer and director. We've worked on a film together. We've worked on a couple of films together. Um, We co-wrote my, the last time I was at at Sundance, it was in 2018 for A Boy, A Girl, A Dream. Um, I was, we co-wrote that film together. Um, For this film, I was actually supposed to be on maternity leave. (laughs) <laughs> and so um, I I was supposed I just kind of initially was just like the the cheering wife, and then it just kind of snowballed into all hands on deck. You know how the indie world is. You you kind of get in where you get in, and next thing you know, um, you're you're catering, you're you're finding locations, you're doing second AC, you're doing everything, <laughs> and um, and that that was kind of how how it began. Um, and then we, we were walking through the SAG process. This was a whole different world. We shot this during COVID. Um, and that was a whole new world order for everyone. Um, and so it was a learning, a learning situation that we, and that we just kind of embraced and took, took the ride together. This is my first feature film producing. Really, I'm really excited. Question. So is the message is sleep with the writer director? (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. If only Um, it were that easy. In support of Samantha, you got to have the stomach for independent film, right? Mm -hmm. Like like you heard what she said. It was COVID. You know, and there's some things that I really want to, whoever's listening is listening for lots of different reasons, but really because there's a desire to know about this industry. And I just want to share whatever 
experience and wisdom I may have that this is, you know, my seventh, eighth film um, with, with people. And, you know, you have to have a stomach. Independent film is hard, like really hard. Raising money is really hard unless you're wealthy and you come from a wealthy family and you have wealthy friends, which I don't, which Samantha doesn't. Raising money is the hardest thing to do. So like, let's get really prepared for that and really prepared for what is your plan to do that. And not refusing, not accepting no, you know, like they- and by the way, she was like down. nine months pregnant. Don't oh, yeah. forget to tell people. There's yeah. this, she's in you don't the tell a pregnant person no, okay. <laughs> and Samantha, I understand your cast member as well. Yeah. Um, so tell me about that in the yeah. remaining cast members as well. What would you like to say? I know Amari Hardwick is in this. Yeah, oh, let's yeah. talk about the cast. You amazing. being one. <laughs> that was an amazing experience, which again was not um expected either. I was not I I supported with the cast, the local casting. I didn't cast myself. I wasn't cast in this movie. Um we were uh, but our our actress failed COVID we needed to go on set like in hours and we couldn't, and I was going into labor. <laughs> and so we were, we were, um, it was, I could have gone into labor at any moment. And so it was one of those situations. I am an actress. I'm trained. Um, I went to university of Illinois, um, Urbana-Champaign for theater. And so when my husband, when we saw that the, it wasn't looking good, we're like, this isn't going to happen. Do we have the schedule? Do we have, no, do we have the budget? to push this to the end of, uh, on the back end, this day of production. And we didn't, it just was with travel and actor and conflicts with shooting and all that. We couldn't add another day. And um, to bring the whole production back would have been too much to add it on pickups. And that was an amazing experience because first I've never worked with my husband in front of the camera and um, to, to be able to go into that role um, gave me gave us both an opportunity just to experience each other in a different way, which I didn't even know was even possible. The level of vulnerability that you have to step into um, as an actress and then trusting someone to le legit go inside and tell you what you're like, manipulate your feelings and to give full access to a director to, to allow that. But then that director being your partner is um is a mind twist <laughs> that I still don't really get <laughs> um but then working alongside Eamon Eamon Joseph is our is our lead char character our lead actor um he plays Muhammad in the film he he is a force man like I was baffled just the power that's coming from this man's everything and he looks at you and he he's in you like he's listening to you and receiving everything and then giving you and like no lines giving me the next moment and to be in that type of performing situation where you have a willing partner I'll, I'll work with that man anytime Dana, what do you want audiences to know about this film and take from it as well? So if you see, if you look at the films that I've attached to and the filmmakers that I've worked with, you'll see that I am always looking for unique voices and unique stories. And I try to break the walls down for people that might not be able to get through, might not get some doors open. And, you know, Kasim is very special to me. 
Um, you know, again, I produced his first film and now I came back around and jumped in with him and Sam on this. And what I really want people to know about this film, and thank you for asking me this question, because it's critical. I want people to know that this is a film that has universal themes. This is a film about family. This is a film about loss. This is a film that deals with some issues of substance abuse and uh, two imposters, one called success and one called failure. And um, which I think are both in this industry specifically, both what people deem to be success and failures are both imposters. Um, you know, I, 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 I mean, I, I laugh a lot. Like Sundance has reached out. They want to talk to the editor. They want to talk to the DP. They want to talk to the writer. They want to talk to the director. And that's all one person on this film. Kasim took his sweat and he wrote, he produced, he directed. Like, we, you know, Sam did a lot more heavy lifting than I, but we're backup singers here. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a man who, who edited his film, did what he had to do. He that, shot that. He shot it. He was the DP. He wrote, produced, directed, shot it, and edited it. So anybody wants a masterclass in filmmaking, come and see us. Come talk to Kasim. Yeah. But what's really important to me and the thing that I really want you to help me let people understand is I won't put this film in a box. I won't put, and I certainly won't put this film on in a box because of the color of the skin of the people that are in this telling this story. This is a story that transcends everybody's family, mm -hmm. everybody's who's lost something or somebody, every woman who has to make a choice about their own body. Like this film deals with issues that that are universal, both religiously, ethnically, racially, gender. There's there's something here for everybody. Like you can't see this film and not connect to something. I understand that Forrest Whitaker is also a producer as well. Um, how did he get involved? How epic is that? <laughs> that was that, that, we're so happy about that. Like Forrest Whitaker and Nina Yang Bon Jovi, they're a producing partner team with significant uh, films. Um, they they have been a very great supporter. Um, it was really a couple years ago, actually. Was, we we're sitting down and Corey's uh, Corey Hardrick's um, Hardwick Hardrick's uh, what do you call it? theater they were watching a movie we were screening something else and I think it was destined actually and Nina was there to give notes on this this talk back and we were giving notes on the film it was just me my husband Corey Nina um and we were just d dissecting the movie talking about it what it could do what it couldn't do this was just like just as colleagues and we were just it was just such a great relationship and Nina is she they're they're there's such a for Nina and Forrest, there's such a strong presence in the indie world that they're everywhere. So, you know, our paths always kind of cross when, when the world was open. And so when we approached them, when Kasim approached them and we're like, hey, you know, is this something you would be interested in? It was a very natural and um natural fit. And they they were very, very supportive. And I'm so excited that they that they've they've joined this this march with us. Um, I also wanted to mention something that you meant, um, that you said uh, the film the film is also available online. So it's the first in person, but we can also stream everything online. So um, anyone who's listening, please take a look at the online screenings. 
Um, I actually just found out that not just, but uh, we sold out of our world premiere in 10 minutes. So we have no more tickets <laughs> on the world premiere. So Friday is sold out. Um, there is Salt Lake City screenings in, um, in Utah. And uh, it premieres, I think, online on the 21st at 8.30. I think that's mountain time. But all the online information is online. Um, online access, you can also have access to other films in the festival. You have access to panels, Q&As. Um, it's a whole online community. So if you can't be in person, you can still engage online. You can vote for festival favorites online. So vote for us, um, all of that stuff. Um, don't feel like if you're not there, you can't participate. Then I do want to end it with the advice that you seasoned women film producers have for the women who are listening, who aspire to carry that title one day and have their film at Sundance. Um, oh my gosh, just, just a piece. It's so many. Um, I think the... I mean, it, you are enough, you know, um, you don't have to be tough. You don't have to be the man, like be a man at the table, be you, be the woman that you are at the table. Because a lot of times, especially producing when you're trying to get licensing and permits and you're going through all the, the logistics of it, sometimes it's just nice to have a nice, be, be the woman that you are, embrace your femininity. Embrace, I love that, by the way, because, you know, this is a very different time for us and women in this film, in this industry than it, it used to be like when I started. And the one piece of advice that, you know, it's hard to piggyback off Samantha when she says, be yourself because authenticity is everything. Um, and I might've had a reputation to be a little tougher than Samantha. Mm -hmm. um, but what I will say is output is input. And if you embrace other people, what you put out in the world will come back to you, right? So, and don't be afraid to ask. Like, you have to have that thing in independent film, you know? You have to to say, I got $10. I know I need $20 worth of potatoes. And somehow you'll get it. Like, don't be afraid to ask. Get out there. Persistence is everything. Thank you so much, Dana, for sharing your experiences tonight with member. Congratulations. Sundance is next week. I am so proud of you. Thank you so much for your value time today and keep being awesome. Come find us. We got you. To live and die and live.org. You bet. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you. Great to meet you. Bye. Peace, everybody. Central Appalachia is a place of mountains and myth. Director Elaine McMillan Shelton knows this well, calling those mountains home. Cole has had a profound influence on this community's identity, but Sheldon dares to consider what future stories might look like out of the shadow of Cole now that relationships to Cole are changing. She takes us on a Lauren cinematic journey through the past, present, and future of Appalachia with her new film, King Cole, which is premiering at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. I got to interview the director, Elaine, along with post-production supervisor, Jean Lane, who is a proud NYWIF member. Please enjoy our interview. I am here with some amazing women who have King Cole premiering at the Sundance Film Festival. Jean, welcome. Elaine, welcome. How does it feel? <laughs> Sundance! <laughs> it's really exciting. It's really exciting. I'm, I'm so excited for this film to be at Sundance. 
It's yeah. a dream come true to so many filmmakers. Elaine, I understand that King Cole is personal to you. Um, can you tell us about it and the backstory of how King Cole came about? Yeah, well, I guess you could say this um, story started in 1987 when I was born, a coal miner's daughter, <laughs> and has been my um, constant uh, meditation on figuring out the place I'm from Um and as I roam across this world, understanding that this place I'm from, Appalachia, is really largely misunderstood by so many and trying to allow people to see the version of the place that I love, um, that I call home the way I see it. And so, yeah, it's a film that untangles the relationship that we here in Appalachia have with the coal industry, um, not necessarily from a political or environmental lens, although it does have a lot of those messages, but primarily through a cultural lens. There are rituals here in Appalachia we do to celebrate coal. And so we documented those and then we played with the imagination of a post-coal world. Um, so, yeah. Jean, you being a fellow Nightwith member, our whole community is just so proud of you. How did you get involved with the project and how did you and Elaine meet each other? Yeah, I, um, well, so this is the second time that Elaine and I have worked together and I really really enjoyed working with Elaine the first time. We did a Netflix documentary feature. Um, it was Elaine's first feature-length documentary because she had um, actually directed and produced an amazing short that was on Netflix and that was Oscar-nominated. Um, but this was her first feature, which was called Recovery Boys, and it was back in 2018. And I was just actually looking up in my email to see how Elaine found me. And Elaine, you found me because Netflix um, recommended me. Uh, I, I have worked with Netflix often. Um, I'm I'm fortunate in that way, and so I think I think a, a post executive or, or some executive at Netflix had recommended me, and Elaine got in touch with me, and um, we uh, finished Recovery Boys. It aired on Netflix. It premiered at uh, Toronto. Um, and I had the most amazing time with Elaine. I really enjoyed working with her. And so I'd like to think that that's the reason why Elaine contacted me for this film, for King Cole, um, because, you know, we had a great time working together. So she asked me to work on this film. Jean, I'll also ask you as post-production supervisor, what did that entail with this specific project and how was the process for you? So on King Cole, um, Elaine chose to do this film independently. Um, it's it's not yet sold. I'm very confident it will be sold at Sundance. But, um, you know, she brought me on for what I call a, a festival finish. So basically, we're finishing this film um, to deliver to Sundance. And so I actually was brought on board a bit later in the process than, you know, various producers will contact me to come on board at it just depends on what the project requires and my entrance, my onboard always depends on the film and its requirements. This film, because it's, um, you know, independent. And so obviously a little bit lower budget, you know, I, we were being mindful of when I came on board. And so I advised them, I said, this is when I think it makes sense for me to come on board. And most important is our delivery to Sundance. And so we just back into that date. I'm going to, be on board for X amount of weeks um, for this Sundance delivery. And so it makes sense for me to start right before you picture lock. Um, so I, you know, Elaine had already been making this film for many years and then was working with um, an editor named Eva and Elaine can speak more to um, 
the editing process since I wasn't really there for most of it, but I came on board just before picture lock. And then I was really instrumental in all the finishing. So all the, you know, the color, the mix, um, the title work, all of that is what I'm supervising and managing and those various teams and vendors. And then I'm also on the back end and working with um, Sundance and making sure that the delivery is smooth. Elaine, for those who've never been to the Appalachian Mountains or that region, why do you think they should watch this film, even if they have no personal connection to it themselves? Because I think it's a universal story. I think that we all, you know, we're all from somewhere. Um, some of us flee those places, never return. Some of us, you know, mourn the, you know, the fact that we can't return and some leave and never think about it again. And that's fine too. But it's a it's a real meditation on the fact that we all belong, belong in certain communities and certain identities and these things. And, you know, um, loss is a is a universal thing and change is a universal thing you know how difficult change is i think that that's not enough a part of the conversation in our post coal um economy is thinking about you know how to actually bring the people along that built the country you know and rather than leaving them behind and which has caused a lot of resentment you know and has, has actually caused more people to dig their heels in the ground so Appalachia is really um, not that unique of a place as much as I, I think it's unique and beautiful and lovely. But in terms of its story, it's very universal. Oh, amazing. Have you both ever been to Sundance before? This is Elaine's first time. Um, I have been many times. And that's that's actually, you know, Elaine and I were talking about that earlier and that I feel like that's something a value that I bring to the table because of my experience delivering multiple films to Sundance, actually having attended the festival many times. It really is a unique experience. And it, and I like to, I like to help a director understand that process as well as like, you know, all the fun things and all the little tips and tricks to the festival. And it's, it's, it's a really, it's a joy to go to Sundance. I'm really looking forward to Elaine experiencing that. Well, Lane, now that you're an official Sundancer, what advice would you have for all those women in film who aspire to have that dream come true one day? I mean, I, I guess I'm still just surprised we got in, to, if, I'm, if I'm honest, because it's so difficult. Not because I don't believe in the film and don't believe in this team and everything we've done, but it's just, I mean, it really seems like you put the festival out there, you know, you you apply to all these festivals, but particularly Sundance, you know, the, the level of submissions they get it's just staggering. And so when we got the invite, I just was sort of blown away and continue to be to this day. And um, my advice would be to put your head down and make your film, because that's what I did for the past three years. <laughs> and, it, and it paid off. <laughs> Jean, as a pro in the Sundance world, what advice would you have for women filmmakers in front or behind the scenes who want to be at Sundance one day with a project? Um, well, not to sound like, you know, self uh, <laughs> to, to promote myself, but like it, it really does help to have a post supervisor on your film because like Elaine said, it's so stressful for Sundance because that's the amount of time from the time you find out when your film has gotten into the time that you need to get the film actually at Sundance is a very short amount of time. And it really helps to have that person that fill that role where the director can be purely creative just purely creative so that the post super can like Lillian was saying, wrangle cats and get that film delivered. But once that film is delivered, I would say my advice is to really enjoy the whole, everything about the festival, like the press, 
you know, enjoying the events, enjoying your audiences and your Q&A. It's such a unique experience. I know there's hundreds of festivals all over the world, but as we all know in our community, Sundance is kind of the pinnacle. So I, I would just say enjoy every moment as much as possible. Be really present and enjoy it. What do you want audiences to brace themselves for? One final thought of the film, King Cole. I think that if people are open to um, believing in documentaries as sort of like being a hybrid, you know, this film is, it's not what you're going to think of when you think of King Cole. Like I think people think of like expose or industry. This is really a film that comes from dreams and hopes and imaginations as much as it does the things we see in real life. And it's because I believe that those dreams and hopes and imaginations influence our real life. Right. And so we have to consider those when telling a story about the future. And so I just hope that people let go of their ideas of what documentary is, can be, should, all those things and just have the experience. Um, It's an honest one and it's done in a creative way. And so just hang on. Thank God. How about you, Jean? I I mean, I echo everything Elaine said, but I think that just like how how um how powerful a personal documentary is. It's just I'm always astounded watching this film, how how really moving it is. It's it's just so you it's it's so felt in your in your body. And and again, you you asked the question about like for those of us who don't really know about Cole or Appalachia or whatever, this film you really you feel it. It really resonates, and it's a beautiful film. I'm excited for the team, and I I hope that audiences walk away like feeling something and being moved. Being moved for sure. Thank you so much, Elaine. Thank you so much, Jean. Congratulations on King Cole coming to the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. Have fun. Thank you. Thank you, Tammy. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Have a great rest of your day. It's so exciting to hear about the great work that our members are doing. There's going to be a lot of really good content coming out of Sundance this year. The Sundance vibes are just in the air, Katie, and the excitement continues. I just feel like sun dancing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Katie, I know you're going to be interviewing some of our members um, for the Night With blog as well. You'll be able to read those at nightwith.org slash blog. Be sure to follow us on social media at Nightwith, where we'll be posting links to all of our blog coverage. We're anticipating quite a few Nightwith members at Sundance Spotlight interviews with our members who have films at the festival. If you yourself are attending Sundance this year, please be sure to fill out the Forward Doc Accessibility Scorecard. We will include a link to that in our show notes. Forward Doc in partnership with Film Event Accessibility Working Group with the support of Film Festival Alliance and in association with One in Four Coalition, invite you to take part in this. If you have recently attended a film event and Sundance, they're included in that, they want to hear your experience as a filmmaker, speaker, panelist, patron, and more. It takes just 15 minutes. You don't have to be disabled to fill it out. They want to get opinions from everyone in regards to how accessible Uh, you feel the festival is for those with disabilities. Thank you so much. And again, you can find the link to that in the show notes for this episode. Tammy, I think we better wrap up soon. You have to pack for Sundance. Yes, my schedule is packed. Have a safe trip. I am super jealous and I can't wait to hear all about it when you get back. 
Thank you, Katie, for all your support. And thank you always for tuning in. Tonight was Women Crush Wednesday's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, wherever you get your podcast. And if you like what you heard, please give us a good rating and leave a review. It helps more listeners find us that way. If you'd like to share your story or nominate someone for our NYWIFT member spotlight, please email us at communications at Until next time, keep on crushing it.